Yes, sir, you are live with all eyes on Cleveland. It is a do-or-die week special, week 17, as your Brownies got to take on the Steelers. It's win and get in. Today is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. We have two fabulous guests for you tonight. This is a show where we interview the top sports personalities in the country discussing the pressing issues that face your Cleveland Browns. Many an issue to discuss tonight. Terrific guest off the top, George Reister III, former NFL tight end, will join us momentarily to discuss everything going on with your Browns in a pivotal, pivotal week. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. And with that, we are live. Welcome in tonight. I know a little bit of a different camera view here tonight. Uh, I hope that uh, everyone's okay with seeing my ugly mug a little bit closer than usual, but uh, that's that's, uh, some uh, technical difficulties there, but we will get that sorted out. Uh, All Eyes on Cleveland is a podcast that can be found where all popular podcasts are found, and the simulcast goes out to Facebook, Live, YouTube, and Periscope. Uh, tonight, I want to bring in our first guest. We have a double guest tonight on this huge do-or-die week, uh, Steelers week, win and get in week. Uh, George Reister third, former NFL tight end. Uh, he is the on uh, Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM weeknights, uh, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific time. That's 1 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. He is, uh, his podcast is Reister or Wrong, and you can find that at theunafraidshow.com. He is also on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the show, George. Man, I'm excited to be here. I, I, I appreciate the invite. Yes, absolutely. It's an honor to have you, sir. I've, uh, you know, seen your work on TV, on Fox Sports 1, and all kinds of stuff. So you're a, a terrific guest for us to get tonight in a huge week, too, here, so... Important week in Cleveland. Lots of uh, lots of feelings going on around here in Browns fans, George. It's oh, a- <laughs> dude, you guys are close. You guys are close. It's been so long. It's been it's so a, long it's, since it's so close. Had, yeah, since you guys have had something notable to cheer about. I mean, it's been like since Bernie Kozar and um, I mean, who uh, who else? The oh, the return man, Eric Metcalf. Eric, I mean, Eric's been on the show. Yep. Yeah, you guys had some some players, but it's been quite some time. And you know, and truthfully, it doesn't seem like you know the the Hugh days were that long ago. So to get it turned around this quickly has been is good for the city because they're some of the best NFL fans that there are. Like Cleveland fans, Seattle, Kansas City. Chicago, like some really, really good fans. Green Bay, and, Buffalo, yeah, 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 true. And so it, it it's one of those. At this point, they can't let the city down. I know last yep. week was tough because they didn't have any wide receivers. This week they're hit with a little bit of COVID because they shut down the facility today, and we don't know how things are going to turn out. So that I think that that would probably be the most deflating thing for Cleveland people is for to come this close to win 10 games and then not make the playoffs and while you're playing against 
uh, Mason Rudolph as the starting quarterback? It's the it's it goes right there, right? Mason Rudolph last year, a ton of storylines come up with all that stuff. Uh, we're going to dive deep into this stuff with you here, but I want to start off and get your your kind of uh, lay of the land here, okay, George? Uh, uh, so let's start real quick with the college playoff this weekend. Uh, we got a lot of Ohio State fans that listen. I'm sure that are listening. Uh, thoughts on the college playoff, and does Ohio State have a chance? Yeah, I mean, I think the chance today got a little bit better when Clemson's offensive of coordinator and their yep. play caller, he's out with COVID. So, I mean, m- mind you, that is a big deal. Uh, th- that's more of a bigger deal when you get into, you know, those fine third and three situations in the third quarter with a three-point game, you, you, you know, in those – like it's only going to really make a difference in about five or six plays throughout the whole game where he may have called something different or what would not have because good play callers, they work off feel a lot. Like they have a script in the beginning of the game, but they understand and they kind of get a rhythm of what the other defensive coordinator is going to call. So you're trying, so it's a big guessing game. And yeah. mind you, there are other very capable uh, play callers on on staff for Clemson because a lot of these guys for the top teams they get poached off every single year to be head coaches elsewhere, so Absolutely. or the coordinators elsewhere. So I'm so there's no pity party for 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 Clemson. They have an embarrassment of riches. And same yes. thing with Ohio State when they were down a bunch of uh, of players and they went up to who was it Michigan State and played. And they, yes. you know, and half the roster was uh, gone. No, nobody felt sorry for them. They still won by like 30. So Ohio <laughs> definitely has a chance. I think they're motivated. They have enough talent. The question is, is can their secondary hold up against Clemson? I mean, that's what it's going to be. I mean, that, and Clemson has is a little more battle tested this year because they played more games. But yes. but when it comes to and and that does matter. Because yeah, Ohio State, no aside from the Indiana game, hadn't really gotten in any dogfights. You know what I mean? And so they got in a dogfight. Uh, Ohio State got in a dogfight against Indiana in, in the second half. But they hadn't really been pushed. And that's where teams, you know, separate them themselves. I think that that's where Clemson won the game last year in the playoff was because it was Justin Fields' first time starting. He made a mistake in the end of the game, threw a pick, and those are and Trevor Lawrence found a way when it counted. He ran the ball, whatever it is. Like winning quarterbacks find a way, and that experience is not nothing. You know, it does count for something. Absolutely, yeah. So we're looking forward to that for sure. Uh, obviously, I think that's a Friday night game. Uh, kind of odd. Uh, yeah. So we we got that this weekend here, and then obviously. Uh, on Sunday, a lot of NFL games, all on Sunday, six of them still with playoff implications, so a ton of NFL still to play before the playoffs here. Um, who do you think right now is the best team in the AFC? Oh, it's not even close. It's Kansas City, and then it's everybody else. But okay. there are some teams that I do believe can give Kansas City trouble, but okay. I think that they are like if you're saying who has the best team, 
the and like if you're saying on, on paper who has the 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 best weapons, who has the best situation, you would say uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. But does that mean that they will win a championship or that they will ultimately be the best team? Because during the regular season, they have been the best team. They're going to. Yes. They're they're 14 and one. They would be 15 and one if they actually played all their players this week. But they're not even going to start Patrick Mahomes. So right. you have a 15 and one team. Nobody else has even lo- lost less than what, three games. So, yes, they are the best team. But it during the regular season. But now I'm a person who always believes that when you get into the tournament because people will say, Oh, the the best team, they didn't win. No, the best team always wins the championship when you, when you get into the tournament. Right. So, so you can tell me, Oh, well, they were a six seed. The best team didn't win. No, no. the, The best teams win when it matters the most, they find a way to make plays. It doesn't matter how much talent you have and the teams that don't, they weren't the best team. It's a great point. Bills are hot right now. I saw a lot for Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's kind of, I mean, the thing is, I saw some Mahomes-like throws, you know, backing up, buying time, you know, in in that game. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but he's playing playing some good football right now. They have, I think they might have a more complete team, maybe on the defense side of the ball. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. I would love to see that matchup, though. Oh, man, I am... I had to I'm a person like there are a lot of people in broadcasting who say things or opinionists. And then when it comes down to the payoff on it and they're wrong, they either want to ignore they said it. They will (laughs) delete the tweets or whatever. Not not me. I'm a person who when I have information, I make my opinions based on that information. But as soon as I get new information, I can I welcome a change of opinion and I'll say I was wrong. I was completely wrong about Josh Allen. He was inaccurate in high school, was inaccurate in college, made bonehead mistakes in terms of throws and and weird stuff his first two years in the league. Like Very and, weird. And I, and I said he was a project, so I was right about he was a project. But Sean McDermott and their staff has turned this project into a winning deal. Like the, the kid is red hot right now. His confidence is on max. He's a top six quarterback in the NFL this year. And he yep. had the Bills in position to not just make a playoff run, but they can win a Super Bowl. Like, yep. if, like they are the one team that I look at and I say, "Ooh, if I'm if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't know if I want to play them again, buddy." That's a tough. tough <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Either. Yeah, that's a tough matchup. Whereas the other teams in the AFC, so you have the Steelers who are resting Big Ben this weekend, and I thought that that was a terrible idea. Because and only because they won 11 straight games, then they played three and a half quarters of turd football, dude. Just, just, oh, just atrocious football. They play one good half of football, and now you're going to basically mail in the game on some level. That, that doesn't, and you have a first round playoff game. That doesn't sound like a team that's, I mean, on, on some level, you have to trust Mike Tomlin because. He is a really good coach. He's never finished below 500, been in the playoffs, won a Super Bowl. So you do have to trust him on some level to know his team. But maybe he's in a situation to where he's saying, yo, this team just needs a reset. Maybe we just need a week off because the week is not going to help us in terms of 
whether we're going to win or lose. So we just got to get focused for the playoff week. Like, let's see if we can be better that week. Maybe that's the answer for them. That This is a question I had for you later, so let's get to it right now uh, about this exact issue. So no bye week for them, okay? Yeah. They're the only team that really didn't have a bye week because they prepared all week long. They never had four straight days off is yeah, basically what they did, yeah. right? Because the the COVID, they had to reschedule all that stuff, right? Yep. Okay, I got that. But they have played their worst football um, in the last what three games plus uh, yep. three games and a half. And a half. And a, yeah, they were down and a half, half of a quarter, right? Yep. <laughs> so they got about they got about like twenty minutes of good football uh, against the Colts. That's all it took to beat them. And the question now, because Mike Silver comes out with this report, right, that Randy Fickner, uh, basically Ben stopped listening to him and just started calling his own plays, drawing up plays in the sand. And then they start pushing the ball down the field, and that's how they came back and win. And this report comes out, you know, that, you know, the Colts were calling out his plays in the first half, uh, He's been as predictable as predictable gets in this three-game losing streak. And then they decide to sit them. That would be my only thing is if I'm Pittsburgh, if I'm Mike Tomlin, right, my only thing would be like, man, we really got to build off of this this quarter, right, or this period yeah. because before that, it was nothing. It was really – it was hard yeah. to watch for three well, games. Yeah, I, so even play callers sometimes can fall into a little bit of a rut because I mean, even really good play callers and you just don't want it to happen at the wrong time. And the exactly. Colts are a good football team and especially on defense. So they were able to game plan and scheme like they had a good feel for what the Steelers are going to do. I mean, if you've watched enough Steeler games, you know what they're going to do on, on third and short because they can't run the football very well. They're going to try uh, to, to quick pass out yep. to the out to the wide receivers on those one yard routes and just have the other guys block and I mean it like you have a good idea for what they're going to do the question is can you stop it so right. so the idea that Ben was out there calling plays and all it it's he wasn't drawing stuff up in the the dirt you just sometimes a quarterback especially veteran quarterbacks who've been around the block they have a good idea of what they're seeing. So sometimes the coordinator can't see it quite as cl clearly as the guy on the field. So, I mean, look at when Aaron Rodgers uh, called plays for um, uh, the McCarthy. No, 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 no. Yeah. When um, when when the quarterback played who went up to Seattle and got paid after that one game, he threw seven touchdowns. Jeez. Um, oh, it was four. He so Aaron Rodgers was sitting out the last game of the season. Oh and yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I, his name's escaping me right now. Go yeah, ahead though. So, I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So in in that game, many people don't know it, but Aaron Rodgers called the plays in that game. Was it Flynn? Yes, Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers called the plays in that game. And so the, the whole point is that sometimes the quarterback can actually see things a little bit more clearly than the coordinator can, especially if they're a veteran guy, they have a, a really good handle on the offense. They can, they can call it, especially if you know what the defense is going to do because Ben was kind of speeding up 
Like they were going yep. no, no huddle. And what what happens is, is that when you speed up and go no huddle and the defensive coordinator and he doesn't get a chance to get the play call in to the linebacker and he doesn't have a chance to signal it or tell it to everybody else, the defense goes into a default coverage. Like yeah. they know what their their number one or number two default coverages are. So if you're the and quarterback Jim- and you figure that out, now you're saying, all right, we're not going to give them a chance to to call any of their blitzes or stunts or anything like like that. So I yeah. know what I'm playing against. So now I can it's a, it's an equalizer because if I can call the right plays against if I know what they're going to run, I can then call the right plays. All I have to do is stop overthrowing people and throwing the ball in the dirt. And we'll be fine. So that's <laughs> yeah. so that's the situation that they were in against the Colts. Yeah, they got him in a in a vanilla defense and just yep. kept kept him in it and kind of yeah for sure. The difference though, for me though, George, and, and you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest George Reister the third tonight um, of uh, Mad Dog Radio on uh, uh, Sirius XM, the Nightcap. Uh, he's on there weekdays. 10 to midnight uh, Pacific time, 1 a.m. to 3. That's my time. That's my time to listen to radio right there. 1 a.m. to 3 Uh a.m. Eastern uh, night out. Yeah, so that's perfect. And then you can listen to his podcast. Anywhere popular podcasts are found, it's right or wrong. And you can find that on the unafraidshow.com. He also is with Fox Sports Radio. He is uh, we're thrilled to have him on the show here on All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Talking Brown Steelers, talking a little bit Steelers offense here. So with that offense, though, what I saw in that three-game losing streak, and even before that, really, they they've lo- they don't really have a run game. Nope. Um, when they brought Connor back, they, the, that kind of opened up the screen game for him, which is something that opened up in the second half of the Indianapolis game. They started throwing it to him out of the backfield a lot, and that worked for them, something that Snell really can't do. Yeah. But they really don't have a run game, and everything has been – you talked about what they are going to – everybody knows what they're going to do. Everything is a short – you know, underneath rubs, picks, dot, you know, yep. slants, stops. Everything is in the curl and, you know, and in the flat. And and that's all they run, really. I mean, they don't push the ball down the field at all yep. for three straight weeks. And then Ben starts calling some plays to push it down the field. And, you know, what do you know? He hits Deontay Johnson on a long one, Schuster on a long one, and they win. So it was interesting how all that happened. You wonder what they're going to go to. You, they got to be kind of rethinking things. Like they've got to be like thinking, like you know, we can't go into the playoffs with this dunk, you know, dive dunk underneath all day oh, stuff, right? Uh, n- no, that's what they <laughs> listen. <laughs> they always ride. They always leave the party with the with the person they showed up with. They may try to do something different for a couple plays to mix it up, but at the end of the day, when it when it's when it's winning time, they're going to get back to what they do. Okay. Every, everybody does it. I mean, and the, and the great play callers actually, they they play the hits, and then they'll and then they'll play a B side every now and then, and, and hit you over the head with it, and then that gets you guessing, which means that the A side plays that those will work even better, because yeah. because now you know, hold up, that other thing that came that went for a touchdown earlier, or that they barely missed a touchdown earlier, that that could be coming. So I got to watch out for that now. Oh, they yep. do it the same thing I knew already. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've seen, we feel like we've seen a lot of that from Stefanski in Cleveland this year, and we're going to get more to him in a minute here. But 
Uh, I want to ask you about Baker Mayfield real quick, okay? So the Browns have, I just saw this on my phone too, and I already have this question written down, but they have a decision to make in the offseason about their fifth-year option with him, right, which is now fully guaranteed in the NFL. So you're writing a $20-plus million check. Yeah. It's going to cash to a guy. Have you seen enough from him this year that if you're the Browns, you're comfortable doing that? Uh, With the fifth-year option? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am 100% picking up his fifth-year option based on what I've seen this year. Am I giving him a long-term extension yet? Absolutely not. (laughs) Right. I need to see another season of what I saw this year. And mind you, the the best thing that's happened to Baker – this year was Kevin Stefanski, except for the last game, um, running the football. I mean, <laughs> right. just, just running it and running it, and which and investing in the offensive line, which allowed Baker to sit back there comfortable in the pocket, and you allow him to manage the game instead of trying to be a superhero. You know, I, I Baker's not that guy who, at least at this point in his career, where he's a superhero. Ben Roethlisberger truly wasn't a superhero in the beginning of his career either. Their their defense was so good. They ran the ball so well that then he was able to just manage the game and didn't have to be a hero. And then he's grown into that as he's gotten older and more seasoned in his career. So that's the route that I would take with with Baker. He seems to be more, more focused, able to cut out the noise in the periphery because he was a guy up to this season. If anybody chirped at him, Oh, oh, I got to respond. I got to respond. And it's like, no dude, like let, let the people talk. You shut them up with, with your play and not even where you're focused on, Oh, I got to shut these people up. No, you focus in on your job, close out the noise because people are going, if they know, that they can bother you by questioning you or by saying stuff about you, then they're going to do it. No question. So, so until he got to the point where he could do it, then, I mean, but, but mind you, he's played pretty well this year. So he hasn't had any times where people are questioning it. I mean, people are still questioning Tom Brady right now after six super. Oh, does he still have it? He can't throw the deep ball, all of this. And then, and after his, and after every win, he's posting in Instagram videos like, "Hey, on <laughs> to the next one," you know. I mean, and they, they are shots at those people, but it's in the element of where it it's a it's clearly a shot at those people, but he does it in a way where he's focused on his team. Yes. So it's clearly mm-hmm. at those people, but he's like, "Nah, we focused on 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 us." And so I'm I'm gonna give you something to uh to to chew on for this this next week, and I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, George, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think that Kevin Stefanski has made all the difference in the world for Baker. Um, I mean, like he just has, as far as Stefanski goes. Okay, hardly any offseason comes in, um, new players, new team. I've seen evidence of culture change. I've seen buy-in from the Browns. And yep. I've seen a quarterback that now is like seeing the game through the same lens as his off- as his play caller and offensive coordinator and his you know quarterback's coach and Alex Van Pelt. But these guys 
have done a tremendous job with the offense. Stefanski keeps everybody off balance. He's done a tremendous job with the run game. Um, and, and it's got Baker playing, you know, for a period there before this Jets game lost last weekend. He was in about three, four games in a row there where he was really, really hot. And yeah. um, I felt like they were in a groove there. Well, I it's, think it's tough for him to be in as good of a groove with no wide receivers. And then exactly yeah. when Kevin Stefanski runs the ball like 18 times. No, right. he needs to put an add 20 to that. 38. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. It got like, away from him. Yeah. It got yeah. away from him a little bit for the first time. I think, I mean, not the first time, but it really, for the first time in maybe the second half of the season, it got away from coach a little bit and his inexperience showed a little bit, but, yeah, but that's okay though. Right. I mean, yes. in, in terms of when it happened, you want yes. that to happen that week, last week. When you when your wide receivers are out and now coach can say, hold up, damn, what the hell was I doing? I only ran the ball 18 times. What the yes. hell was I thinking? And now he will be more cognizant of that, even against the Steelers this week. If they do make the playoffs, you know, he'll play the hits instead of trying to, you know, show up, show up to the concert and play all the B-sides. And oh, brother, you got you to <laughs> play the hit first. That's what people came to see. Yep. Yep, you're right about that. So I think that if he wins this weekend, he's a candidate for coach of the year and a legitimate one. What do you say to that? Uh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how could, I mean, who could argue against a guy that took, that literally took a team that was on their third head coach in three years? I mean, so you had Hugh Jackson, and then you had um, Freddie. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens come in last year. The, the The team was in disarray. Freddie wasn't playing the best people. He was more concerned about, and like everybody was doing a CYA job and mm-hmm. like trying not to get fired instead of just not worrying about that and just doing the just doing the right things over and over and over again. And yep. Freddie just didn't have the experience. Like it's it's like that quote that says um, people get promoted to the level of their incompetency. Mm-hmm. Like, and he just and he w- was not ready to be a head coach yet. That doesn't he mean wasn't. he's not a good play caller. That he's not a good coach. Just means that he got promoted to a level that he wasn't equipped to be yet. I mean, yep. So as far as coach of the year. I would, in any other situation, I would put, if the Browns make the playoffs, I would put Kevin Stefanski as my number one uh, in terms of coach of the year. But these these are special circumstances. Okay. The man who's going to win coach of the year if his team wins, makes the playoffs, is going to be Ron Rivera. The man battled cancer all year. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. that's just, you know, it it, it is what it is. I mean, it's like it's like last year where Russell Wilson had an MVP year. But then here here comes Lamar Jackson with one of the greatest seasons ever. So so and Ron Ron Rivera, he would have dealt with quarterback issues. Uh, I mean, just saboteurs, the the name change, the, <laughs> yeah. the stuff coming out about the owner, the, yep. the number one pick having to cut him, battling cancer. I mean, 
he's going to win coach of the year if they make the playoffs. So, you know, that's not a knock on Kevin Stefanski, but circumstances are just going to dictate that he's not going to win it. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think, uh, what, Brian Flores' name oh, will be in there yeah. too? Oh, geez, geez, geez. I didn't even think about BF, dude. Yeah. That's – okay. <clears throat> See, when – okay, when you think <laughs> about I, – I don't know how I forgot about Flores because uh, – see, I, I'm going to still give the – I would still give the edge to Ron Rivera, but Miami, if they make the playoffs too, that's going to be an outstanding situation for, for Brian Flores too because nobody had them winning – of winning enough games to make the playoffs. They're like, oh, they'll finish seven and nine, yep. six and ten. It'll be an improvement. But now you're looking at them saying, if Fitzpatrick, because their their defense is probably the best defense in the in the AFC, probably. And yeah. or or, or yeah. at least top to, top two. And you're saying, all right, if Fitz like, I don't know why they're still still starting to it, because I know he's their Me future. Neither. He he's their future. But like it's like that they want to play him so bad because Herbert was pl- is playing so well and Burrow's playing so well. But look at Aaron Rodgers; he sat for three years. That doesn't mean that that Tua sucks. It just means that he's still your future. But for but your best opportunity to win right now is for Fitzpatrick to get hot, and you can't That's what I was gonna say. the fourth quarter when you haven't scored enough points because eventually you you run out of chances. You run yeah. out of rabbits to pull out of the hat. And that's where – and hopefully for Miami, because I have some friends on that on that, on that staff, that, that they do the right thing. You know, that maybe if Tua isn't playing well early in the game – because, mind you, he's not turning the ball over. He had 17 completions for – I think it was 17 for 22 – but then you're like 94 yards. How the hell do you complete 17 pads for 94 yards? Yeah, yeah. I f- I almost feel like they're like, okay, let's go out and try to run the ball and, and, and stick to our game plan. But if we fall behind, it's got to be Fitzpatrick. I would start Fitzpatrick anyways because I feel yeah. like he gives you the best chance to win no matter what. Because if, if he gets hot, you can win yes. the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If, 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 he goes, if he goes on a four-game Fitz Magic, which which he's shown he can do. If he goes yes. fit magic for four games, oh bro, yes. you have won the damn Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. But if 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 he goes, you know, a quarterback from from Harvard on you, then yeah, then, yeah, you know, it's tragic. Yeah, yeah. yeah so no, that, I, I that's a uh, that's a good one. You know, those guys have done an incredible job. All of them. The only thing. And you're right about Ron Rivera. It's just so hard to put a team with that a team with that yeah. record as yeah. the coach of the year. Now the that, record hurts. Yeah, the, that's going to be. I think a lot of people who vote who would vote for Ron Rivera. I think that that's going to be the thing that changes it. You know that they're going to say, "Hold up, one of these teams is going to have 11 wins." <laughs> you know, yes. either so. So, okay, so I am going to amend what I said a little bit. I do think that Ron Rivera is going to win, especially if they win uh, this weekend uh, and then they're, what, seven and nine? Yeah, and they're in. Yeah, and they're in the playoffs. I think that Ron Rivera does win it because of his cancer situation. But 
I do think that that it is possible to that the winner that if Cleveland or Miami makes the playoffs, right? That if Cleveland is in, Miami's out, that Stefanski wins. But if Miami's in and Cleveland's out, then Flores wins because I think that they may take votes away from each other if they both get in the playoffs, and then that may train Ron Ron Rivera. But if one of them in or out, then they could possibly win it as well. You're right because there's a certain faction of guys that are just going to vote Ron Rivera no matter what. Yep. And because of his story and you're right they will take votes away from each other you're absolutely right that's a great point you're listening to all eyes on cleveland here with george reister the third uh let's uh we'll wrap things up here i got a couple more questions for you okay uh all right there's a possibility that the browns and steelers say the browns win play the steelers are playing their backups the browns are 10 point favorites they should win if they handle their business against their backups and run the ball early and get ahead they should win the game and get in yeah. right at least that's how i feel and if they get in there is a, like a 50 some odd percent chance they play the steelers again the next week in the wild card in pittsburgh yep. how does that change your approach if you're the steelers or the browns i don't think it changes for the browns because it's win and get in and it's, yeah. you do everything you got to do right yeah but for the steelers how does that change your approach mm, i i think it gives a little bit more of an advantage toward the the steelers because yeah the Browns have to throw their normal stuff at you. Yeah, they got to throw everything running. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're going to see what you're going to see in all likelihood the next week for the most part because they're going to run what they think they can exploit in your defense. So, but at the same time, for the Steelers, that means you have to run what you would normally run on your defense. So if you go to these vanilla coverages and you don't run your stuff, you're not going to have as much information for the next week. Yeah, absolutely. This is is where coaching matters and tactics matter. So whoever whoever staff either gathers the most information or handles this week the best, if they meet the first round of the playoffs, they're going to be at the best advantage. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, it, this is going to be the, the week where the Steelers coaches, they're going to be preparing for this week, but they're going to be eyeing. They're going to be also spending a lot of time focused on who they're going to play in the playoffs and their potential matchups, breaking down film for different teams, starting to put a preliminary game plan together for each of these teams. Yep. So so we will, we will see because uh, I, I don't want to make a prediction – on mm-hmm. that, just because either whoever, but I will say, whichever staff handles this week the best is going to be the victor the week after if they do play. Yeah, it's, it, I feel like it's a huge advantage for Pittsburgh in that way because they can they can almost kind of like play with you a little bit. Like, hey, what if we do this to you in this situation? Yep. Or what if we do that to you? And if we get burnt, oh, well. But we're gonna find out, you know, what what your tendencies are yeah, when we or, throw this at you or that yeah. at you, right? Good point. And that and that's a uh I think that's an advantage for them, but certainly something that uh they'll think of and, and go after. All right, so biggest thing for the Browns in this game for me is they gotta jump on him early. Like it's gotta be like if you let him stick around, 
their backups are players too. They're going to have nothing to lose. It's a tough situation. It's a pressure cooker because it's like a a must win. You should win. You're favorited. And you're playing a bunch bunch of guys that have a chip on their shoulder and have nothing to lose and want to beat you. And and that's it, right? Well, well, here's the thing about NFL games, though. There's only 53 guys active. So, right. So, you can't even rest all your your starters. You know, right, like, yeah. they'll rest Ben. They may rest Connor or give him limited action. But Juju, you're probably you're probably going to see some combination still of Claypool, Juju, James Washington, um, yeah, and Deontay Johnson. Like you're still going to see those. I mean, those are four wide wide receivers. They can't sit them all. Because right. there's you you only carry like in team teams only carry between seven and nine wide receivers. So you can't even run all your your, your stuff. And what happens if somebody gets hurt? Yep. Like so yep. you so it's one of those like your top guys may play limited action, but you can't just bench all of them because you no. don't have enough backups. And then you have to play special teams plays, and those guys are gonna have to play on defense or offense and then play special teams. They get tired too. So yep. it, it like the NFL is unique because you can't truly rest all your starters. Like you can rest your most important players or guys who are a little bit banged up. Like Kansas City is gonna rest Mahomes. He needs to sit back and see things from the outside for a minute. I think he does need a, a week off. Tyreek Hill was nursing a hamstring last week. So you give him the week off. But uh and then I may sit Kelsey, but aside from that, nah, nah. Yeah. Every everybody else, and, and maybe Chris Jones on the defense. But aside from that, everybody else, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. I know they made some uh, moves on their practice squad. I wonder if they'll call up a couple guys and maybe not even dress a couple of the starters. Like I want, like you got to think like Hayward on the defense. There's a lot of 30-plus guys on the Steelers, right? Yeah. Uh, and no bye week. I think, like, you know, maybe not – I don't know about Watt, but, like, it feels like Watt and Hayward and maybe Joe Hayden on the defense might get a rest. Um, I mean, that n- now you're looking at, what, five, six players? And <laughs> and if you make them – and I mean, that that's really the max – in terms yeah. of your inactives. So so everybody else got to play, brother. Yeah. Or, or or at least be available for backup duty. But the problem with that is, is that if you put one of your best players, you don't have him play for three quarters, and then he has to go in the game, and he pulls a hamstring or something because he's cold, you would have been better off just playing him sparingly throughout the game and just kind of keeping him warm. So it's it's a interesting situation for coaches to handle, and over the years, some have handled it better than than others. And those who are winning football games. Yep. All right. Last question here for you, George. What's the biggest key for the Browns to win this game on Sunday? What what do they have to do? Number one, don't turn the football over. Yep. Do not give it to them because if you give it to the Steelers. They are a tough team. They have a lot of confidence. They will want to, to to beat you. Mason Rudolph has something to prove against Miles Garrett. Like that's going to be a story that I'm excited to uh, see as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, so don't turn the football over and just 
make the plays that you're supposed to make. Like you don't have to be a a hero. Just catch the ball on third down. Don't don't miss layups for for Baker. When that means when you get a guy wide open, don't miss him. You know, yep. just just play your regular football game. Not you don't even have to play mistake free. Just don't turn the football over and you will be a okay. Yeah, play a clean game. Don't play behind. You know, they can't yep. play behind the sticks all the time. You know, and watch penalties and turnovers. That's what I'm thinking. And, well, and you know, run the well, ball. And, and for Baker, I would say stay within himself. Yep. Don't get to, oh, this is the last game. I got to be the, the hero. No, just yep. do the same thing that you did three weeks ago. Absolutely. George, you were fantastic. I appreciate your time. I probably kept you a little longer than I than I told you, but uh, you were you were the best. And uh, hopefully, we can have you on again soon, maybe sometime. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, hit, hit absolutely. Uh, former tight end, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, go to the unafraidshow.com uh, or where all popular podcasts are found to get Reister or Wrong, the podcast. He is on Mad Dog Sports Radio's The Nightcap weekday nights, 10 to midnight Pacific time, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. Eastern. George, you're a gentleman and scholar, and I enjoyed your time. All right, perfect. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, too. Big thanks to George Reister III, Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Go to theunafraidshow.com or check out his podcast, Reister or Wrong, where all popular podcasts are found. Second guest is ready. We're going to bring him in right now. His name is Rudy the Rude Dog Reyes. He is the host of The Rude Dog Show. He covers the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a Steelers aficionado. Rudy, what's up, my man? What's going on? Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, Brad. Yes, sir, brother. It's great to have you. Uh, I don't know if you saw George, but George was great. Uh, do you know George? I am connected with George on, on, on social media uh, and on Twitter explicitly, all because I, I asked him to follow me back, and sure enough, here yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Back to back, back to back here, so... Uh, that was cool. I remember, you know, he was on TV for a while on Fox Sports One, which was kind of cool. So, yeah. But we got we got Rudy Reyes, the Rude Dog. Is that what you is it the Rude Dog Show? Tell people about the Rude Dog Show, where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. I've been doing this for about nine years now. Um, I built my own website. I basically woke up at the age of forty and decided to get into broadcasting so everybody can go to the rudedogshow.com and look at nine years of of work uh with lots of interviews conversations topics uh things some people don't want to hear about and others people should hear about 
TheRudeDogShow.com. There it is. Uh, awesome. Very cool. And we're we're thrilled to have you on All Eyes on Cleveland. Huge week. Massive week. This is the do or die special, right? Uh, you're, you win and you're in. You lose and it's like we're all in our feelings here in Cleveland. We're all in our feelings right now, man. And it's, it's tough. So, you know, we had the chance with the Jets just to have a nice, easy, get in the playoffs, end this drought from 2002, and now we got to go up against the Steelers. But the Steelers are starting Mason Rudolph, okay? Uh, if you were in charge, would you be starting Mason Rudolph, or would you be going with Ben and starters? Well, you know, when, when you look at Ben Roethlisberger and, and some of the miscues in the first half of, of that game on Sunday – it was just an absolute debacle. And then the corrections were made in the second half. Like most very good teams do, they make those adjustments defensively, offensively, play calling, maybe calling out some players, saying, hey, look, you're playing a little soft. You need to step up to the plate. I think it's more about what, what the Steelers are trying to accomplish in regards to giving Ben a little bit of time off. Of course, everybody yes. knows if you haven't seen it already, the replay of that helmet hit by Miles Garrett, you can go either way with that, saying that uh, you know Mason Rudolph, antagonized him to a point where he did it and or uh miles garrett just decided to take it upon himself based out of frustration and gameplay uh to take it out on mason rudolph by hitting him with his own helmet so uh starting yes. mason rudolph is, is really a good way to go for for the steelers uh whether or not he shows up that well that that happens on any given sunday i rather would have started josh dobbs but again josh dobbs late re-edition back to that 53 man uh, where he stays on the sidelines until maybe something happens. Uh, he could be the designated backup to Mason Rudolph because Ben per Mike Tomlin is not playing. Not dressing. I don't think. Is he going to no. dress? I don't think sweats. so. No, he's going right. to sweat. I don't blame him. There you, it's gonna be there you go. Well, <laughs> it sounds like he should be calling plays because according to Mike Silver, uh, he had enough in the second half of that uh, Colts game and said, sorry, Randy, I'm done with the play calling and took it upon himself to call most of that second half. Uh, I guess the rumor is the Colts players were calling out Randy's play calls in the first half. Uh, so on the field, you know, I don't know how it's Mike Silver. I don't put a lot into what he has to say, but either way, this is the report coming out. What do you have to say to that? I mean, really, he was running like a two-minute. He just kind of got in a hurry-up and kind of got in a groove. So, of course, he's going to be calling some of the plays. Uh, I think a lot has probably made more of it than there was. But they did start to push the ball down the field, which Randy Figner has not done for four weeks, Rudy. I've watched this dink and dunk underneath stuff. It's hard to watch, man. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it's really uh, – it's not it's not very palatable, I'll be honest with no. you. When I look. When I look at the play calling, I look at the audibles that Ben calls at the lines. It just makes you wonder exactly what that looks like and whether or not it's going to be productive the minute it leaves Ben Roethlisberger's hands. Don't forget, yeah. he did have that, that season-ending elbow injury with the Tommy John over over the offseason and in turn coming back to lead his team to 11-0 and and faltering with the last three games, riding the ship against the Colts. Uh, and I don't know that that play calling has been there for Randy Feekner the entire time, to be quite honest with you. I understand Dink and Duck when you have Devlin Hodges or when you have Mason Rudolph or you're running quarterback by committee. I get it. I understand that. The problem is, is that it just does not appear as though there's any fluidity in the running game as we've seen in the last three and maybe yeah. even the fourth game 
uh, with guys not inserted. Benny Snell was playing, not a lot of production there. Uh, but this is this turning from the running style old school Steelers team to now a pass happy free for all uh, Steelers team. And when we see this pass first situation throughout the NFL, uh, whether or not you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, clearly it happened to the Bucks on Sunday. Uh, you know, th- there's just so much to unpack in regards to what Randy Feekner is going to call uh, in this game with Mason Rudolph. Now, in all fairness, Randy Feekner hasn't called an absolutely horrible season thus far. However, in those three losses, I think that he maybe lost a little bit of touch there. Uh, and I yeah. think defensively with the loss of Bud Dupree on that line, as well as as losing Devin Bush, uh, the guy who's Huge. a sideline-to-sideline kind of guy, was was absolute tragedy to be quite honest and then yeah, they, they lost really modify that they lost Spillane too right didn't yeah. they lose Spillane his backup or yeah I mean that's crazy the injury bug on the defense there has gotten crazy uh we're kind of in COVID alert right now here in Cleveland they had closed the building today you got out of all these guys there's only two positives but all the close contacts and everything else but so far you know, the word is that uh, just uh, uh, the two guys uh, are positive. I, uh, what, I was trying to keep track. I, was, I said I was going to go over it later, but I'll mention well, they're, it they're, now. They're, they're, ultimately, what they're doing is they're going through contact tracing. When you do contact tracing, that means that the people that were the closest to these infected players, I know it was a special teams coach or a coach within the coaching system there, yeah. and then a special teams player was also found uh, to be a part of that contact tracing as well. So two more uh, people, whether or not they were significant or not significant, it doesn't matter because we don't know who was close to them and we don't know who was close to them. So it's one big daisy chain of effects that have closed this uh, Cleveland is. Browns locker room and training facility right now. I don't know who they're going to address or who they're not going to address. I know they just uh, got a guy off of the injury list, a safety, I'm trying to recall his name, uh, but now he'll be in action. So certainly beg begs the question as to whether or not the Steelers are going to get the full-blown Browns team that you're accustomed to seeing this season versus uh, seeing some sloppy mess on the field. I had one guy who's also a Cleveland fan wanting to uh, jump on the, on the bandwagon with a lot of uh, just a lot of look, I've been waiting a long time for the Browns to get in this and you're right, but he's not the only one who's been waiting. Uh, Browns nation has been waiting forever as well. So he's not the only one and not certainly not the odd man out. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of anticipation for this time, and, and it kind of sucks that it worked out this way. That like, I, I mean, I just wanted them to play each other, but hey, if they if the Browns could find a way to just handle their business, and they should beat Mason Rudolph. I don't think that much of him as a quarterback. We'll see what happens, but I feel like they should beat them, depending on the COVID issues, right? Let's see who they they come to the field with, but. They should be getting Ronnie Harrison back. If they get Wyatt Teller back, I'll feel a ton better. And, uh, you know, then the offensive line they had to put out there last week, no wide receivers last week. It was brutal. We'll see what happens. So far, Sendejo uh, is out, you know, good good riddance to him. Uh, play Carl Joseph and these guys. So far, it sounds like they should be ready unless they come up with positive tests. We'll see. Who knows? Like you said, who is around who? And the closer we get, further we get in the week here, like starting tomorrow, if they come up in a contact tracing, I don't think they'll be able to play, right? So you're cutting it pretty close here with this stuff. You want to get like a clean day of 
negative tests and feel like you get some separation from that trip where they definitely had a positive guy maybe in his incubation period with the the virus uh, traveling with the team, which is pro- I'm sure what led to some of this, right? Um, quite, quite possibly because if you're in a you're, you're in a jet plane, you're in close quarters. Yes. You're you're only allowed a certain amount of recycled air, not fresh air, recycled air, and that recycled air can travel throughout the plane. So that could have been, you know, it, it could have happened in in a myriad of ways. There's no way to really put the the point the finger at someone. Say, you know what? This is what happened. This is situation. This is who, when, how, and why. So we, we really don't know. Um, but, but yes, you're definitely on point, Brad, when you're talking about people getting that contract tracing and they're the ones being pinned and ultimately being the ones held out. And sadly, that's exactly what happened to the Browns last week. Um, as, far as, as far as offensively in regards to what they're going to do, I like that People Jones. That People Jones, he, he is no joker. That guy is fast. He's elusive. He's a playmaker. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of great things that I see from him individually. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, yeah, there were some things that I seen from him that I actually liked. The problem is that he still has a tendency to overthrow. He has a tendency to mystery defenses. Uh, he has a tendency to hold on the ball a little bit too long. I understand this is his third year and what have you, and then that's you know it is what it is. But at, at the same time, you got to know when to curtail that. And uh, hopefully he'll have a better outing against this this tackle for loss, sack happy uh, Steelers defense with with T.J. Watt on the outside looking to pummel uh, Baker Mayfield, which he's done all season long, <laughs> and leads and leads the league in in sacks. You would think Aaron Donald would have that luxury, but no, T.J. Yeah. Watt. Yeah, or Miles Garrett even right. Uh, so here's my here's my question. Is you expect TJ Watt to play on Sunday? I think so. I think so because look, if 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 you're if you're a hot player and you're on and you're ready to rock and roll, you've already shown consistency. It'd be different if you were maybe a third round part of that linebacker rotation, or maybe you were okay. the, second, the second or third man up in that edge rushing rotation. You're not going to see that that kind of look. And to be quite honest with you. The Steelers' defense has just been going after quarterbacks all season long. So do I foresee T.J. Watt playing? Yeah. Do I see him playing the whole game? Probably not. I think it, that really depends upon the score, depends on his production, and really how he feels. They're going to they're gonna sit some starters, there's no question. And you're not going to have a bunch of scrubs out there because Lord knows that you, you give Cleveland breathing room and they're going to exploit it and take advantage of it and end up finding themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, that's what I was looking at is kind of like, all right, who are they going to sit on the defense? And I thought maybe Hayward, because there's a there's a group of, of Steelers on this team, and it's part of what makes them so gritty and tough that are 30-plus years old, right? So Joe Hayden, you wonder, like, if he would need a rest. No bye week this year because of COVID got you guys there. They never had four days off in a row all year. You know Tomlin is treating this kind of like their bye week, right? You think a lot of the veterans would rest. But as George made a really good point when he was on, you know, the NFL roster, you can only rest so many people just because there's only so many guys. You know, most of your guys are going to have to play. Right, right, right. And and, and that's exactly right. So I think you're going to sit the older guys. You may sit Cam Hayward a little bit. Maybe yeah. He'll- onto it here and there. Ben Roethlisberger may be sitting out a little bit. They could have uh, Hassenauer in over 
Pouncey under center. Uh, but you're going to see Mason Rudolph probably throughout the entire game, barring something completely tragic happening and or on the plus side of that, Mason Rudolph actually looks like the draft pick the Steelers picked when they nabbed him out of Oklahoma. So uh, when, when you look at the age of, of the Steelers defense, they're going to have to get a little bit younger. Uh, you mentioned Joe Hayden, um, and I mentioned this on other podcasts. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick has been the absolute highlight, uh, yes. highlight reel, human highlight reel from last year even onto the regular season this year. Uh, and what's really interesting is that you, you see these coverage breakdowns. And when you look at Mika, he's not in a natural position uh, because you had Joe Hayden Hearn. So Mika had to like hybrid free safety, safety and cornerback in various plays against the Colts. You've seen it against Washington, all types mm-hmm. of open field right down the middle. And Mika had to do his absolute best to do it. Now, don't forget, he was drafted that way into the Miami system. Uh, and when I interviewed him, when he was drafted by the Dolphins, his whole moniker was, look, you play me, I'm happy, I'll do what you need me to do. He did that in Miami, but he was playing out of position. You get him to Pittsburgh, yeah. this guy's a pro bowler. And that's yeah, that's, he's, that's ultimately what happened. He's been amazing in Pittsburgh. Absolutely uh, uh, changed that defense immediately. Um, I hear people second-guess that all the time, right, giving up that first-round pick because – and they point to – people that will second-guess it will point to Roethlisberger's age and say, hey, that was an opportunity to get your quarterback of the future. And I say, listen, man – in football, it's not like baseball or basketball. It doesn't carry over year to year to year. You got to take your shots when you got them. And if you got a quarterback like Roethlisberger and a defense like they have, I'm like all for spend a first round pick and go for it all, right? Uh, right now. And I feel like that's what the Steelers are doing. And, and, and I felt like that's what they did with that pick. And I think it was smart. Right. No, you're you're and, absolutely right. Yeah. So, uh, and 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 they got a, a good shot this year. Uh, this week, Ben will get healthy. You know, uh, well, let me ask you this question. I watched the Steelers uh, game back, parts of it, mostly the second half of the uh, Colts game. They keep getting stopped on short yardage stuff, right? Like I've seen this a couple times in this in the three game losing streak, and then again in like the first half and the second. It happened once in the second half too of the the Colts game where they're goal line to go at one yard line and they can't get it in, right? It's happened a number of times. Why don't they is is Tomlin against QB sneaking Roethlisberger? I've never seen him do it. Well, I, I think that that's more that that's I think there are certain plays that the Steelers run that allow for Ben to call the audible at the line. And what happens okay. is is that when he calls that that audible well, he's going to call himself in whatever manner, whatever terminology that they use in order to designate himself as being the runner. And I think part of that uh, can, can be seen from the sidelines, and that's where Mike Tomlin or Randy Feeger says, no, 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 this is going to be a little pooch pass. It's going to be a little dink and dunk in the corners, maybe a little bit over the top or what have you. Um, I, I think Mike Tomlin at, at some points in some in some regards, in some ways, and of course he's going to deny it till the, till the sun comes up. Uh, yeah. But kind of lives in his fear in regards to play calling. I think that's one of the reasons why he had given the offensive control to Randy Randy Feekner, uh, because Randy you know, has been around in the organization for a very long time. Almost reminds me of Santa Claus. Um <laughs> only from the standpoint that you know he's got a beard that's super, you know, long and it's white. It's yeah. white, you know, 
you know, where is, where's the Santa Claus beanie, you know, but anyway, <laughs> I think, I think when, when, when you, when you look at the play calling, some of it is suspect, especially in third <clears> and short, second and short. Um, but where Ben really kind of saved the day against Indianapolis to come back winning that game 28, 24 was, was the double pumps it had everything to do oh, with those yeah. pump fakes. When you put those pump fakes together, it gets that defender to double step. And when you double step a defender, that wide receiver now has another foot to two feet in front of him in order to make that play. Uh, I, I think when you look at Ben Roethlisberger overall, uh, is he going to play football until he can't play football anymore? Quite possibly. Is he following the, the Tom Brady mantra in regards to, well, I'll know when to sing when and when that is, I guess you'll know when I know. And I think that's exactly what Ben Roethlisberger is going to do. Could he play another year or two? Maybe. Uh, but they need to beef up that offensive line. Uh, I haven't been very happy or impressed with, with Alejandro Villanueva for a lot of reasons because he's allowed Ben to get sacked on that left side. But that's not his natural position. Natural position is on the right side of that line of scrimmage. Um, and, and there's just been a lot of times where Ben, yes, has held on to the ball too long. But that's... That's Ben Roethlisberger. That's, that's exactly that's ben. what you get. That yeah. ben, ben is Ben. Ben plays Ben. That's what he does. That's what he knows. Um, so it's actually a good time right now to, to rest him, give Mason Rudolph some reps, uh, allow him to, you know, allow the team to kind of overview and look to see if whether or not he's going to stick around for a while or he could be on his way out and you keep Josh Dobbs and you go dab a quarterback in free agency. But I think as long as you have Ben Roethlisberger in it, you have a chance. Mm-hmm. I agree. So here, here's an interesting question for you, and, and I think I probably know the answer to this, but you know Mike Tomlin probably better than – you've listened to him a lot more than I have or probably know his philosophies a lot better than I have. But so there's a possibility that if the Browns were able to find a way to win on Sunday that they would play each other again the following week in Pittsburgh in Wild Card Weekend. It's like a it, – it's up there, right? It could be one of the possibilities if the Browns win. Now they're going against Mason Rudolph – they're 10-point favorites. I feel like they should beat Mason Rudolph. We'll see. Does Tomlin go into this game, even though he's playing Mason Rudolph, like, hey, we're beating him, we're not going to play him again? Or is he going to, is it like, will they approach this strategically, like, hey, let's throw this at him, let's throw this at him, in case we do have to face him again, let's see what we get when we do this or that, right? Like, you know, kind of gain that, that advantage. Well, I, I think you're going to really have to. It's going to depend on. It's going to depend on, on, on a couple of things. It's going to depend on quarterback play and how he Game plays script. in right off the bat. Um, that also has to do with play calling, how he picks up those play calls, and how he's able to actually ad lib, uh, like we've seen Ben Roethlisberger do for the last you know 15 plus years in the NFL, um, and whether or not he can read those defenses and make those throws without trying to force something that does not exist. So I think they're going to ease him into play calling duties. Do they have something different in mind for Mason Rudolph? That really depends on whether or not Mason Rudolph can pick up on what's being called. So they're going to have a sheet A and a sheet B. And if he can't get a hold of sheet A, they're going to move to sheet B and make this another dink and dunk situation against Cleveland. However, with that being said, that running game needs to be established regardless of, and that offensive line needs to do a much better job uh, overall and down the stretch, to be quite honest with you, uh, there's there's only uh, three Super Bowl winning players on that offensive line uh, with with DeCastro, Pouncey, and Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Ben's not going to be there, so you have Pouncey and, and DeCastro. Uh, both of those guys are going to have to really step up. Uh, they, they could be getting close to the end of their leash in regards to 
being on that offensive line, that depends on, mm. on it depends on, on on gameplay purely and simply. So I think Mike Tom will have a, a very strategic uh, type of play calling for Mason Rudolph. And then again, if Plan A doesn't work, they'll go to Plan B and use that. Yeah. So you're kind of saying it's game script dependent, right? So kind of how the game goes, we'll judge how they approach it. Um, I my feeling is is that the Browns. The, the, if they let this game linger around with Mason Rudolph, they have a chance of losing it because it is a pressure cooker for the Browns. And I feel like the Steelers are playing and the guys that will be on the field will be playing, especially in the half, with nothing to lose, right? Even if you have second stringers, third stringers in, they got they got, they got got a lot to prove, nothing to lose, and the Browns got everything to lose. And they're going up against Mason Rudolph, and, and everybody says, that, okay, you should win this game and get in the playoffs because they're not playing Ben. And that's like a, just a lot of pressure. I expect Stefanski to have them ready. They haven't lost two games in a year all, or in a row all year. Uh, they've been, you know, been able to bounce back. I feel like they should win this game if they stay with the run early. And, and I want them. I want Cleveland to jump on Pittsburgh early and almost make this like easy on both sides. All right, okay, let's get our starters out and we'll see what, you know, that's my ideal scenario. And it just kind of cruise to whatever, but that's probably not how it's going to go. It's probably going to be close game. And, and, and certainly Pittsburgh knows how to keep it close in these situations, even with Mason Rudolph out there, who I don't think, I think that the Browns have to, if they want to win this game, they have to get a couple takeaways from Rudolph. And um, if he plays a clean game, I think it'll be a close game. What do you think about that? Well, to be honest with you, if, if Mason Rudolph doesn't get hit a couple of times to kind of get him into game mode, right, because you got to knock knock the dust off just because you're you're on a practice squad, just because you're playing practice, practice is not real-time ball. Practice is yeah. practice. That's all it is. But the minute you get on that field, and it's real time, it's game time, it's show time. And I think that you have to knock him around a little bit to, to shake that dust up and get him mentally acclimated to the game and game speed. And once you do that, Mason Rudolph could actually be quite deadly, especially when he, uh, you know, shooting over to his ex-Sooner partner in James Washington, which we had seen last season in glimpses yeah. where Mason Rudolph would throw these 35, 40-yard bombs to James yeah. Washington because they connected that in college. So I think you're going to see a little bit of that chemistry. Could be some play calling in, in regards to pairing up uh, him along with Mason Rudolph. Uh, but what you're going to see, what, what you're going to see, I believe based on what I've watched, again, it's all it's all gameplay. It's all gameplay and purely gameplay. You're going to see Mason Rudolph go to short uh, to Clay over the middle. Uh, and when I say Clay, I mean Claypool, Chase Claypool. And you're going to see yeah. him go to Schuster as the third option they need they, they need a fourth option um i've still yet to believe um that that the punt returner is going to be that fourth option to be quite honest with you but you know we're going to see you know cloud has done some pretty good things on on punt returns he's got a lot of energy i've seen him in in uh, at certain options he's, he's very fast he's got he's he, he's, he's a fleet of foot really is, yeah. is what it boils down to he's kind of yeah. like the the Mike Hilton of, of, of the offensive system, really, because yeah. he's got that dagger shoot kind of speed. Um, yeah. and he's very quick and he's he's not tall, but he's quick and he's fast. So you're gonna see a little bit of that gameplay. Um, I, I think the Browns will end up keeping it close. I got Pittsburgh winning by a field goal, and that's about it. If it was Ben Roethlisberger, I'd say a touchdown, maybe, 
But Mason okay. Rudolph for center, I'm I'm, I'm going to give it three. Do so you expect Mason to play pretty well then? I think it again. It's it's really about quarterback play. It's really about what he gets acclimated to. What he picks up. Does he call audibles at the line? Is he going to switch it up to something that he's familiar with, that he's accustomed to, um, that 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 he's sure it's going to produce some type of positive results the minute that ball snapped into his hands. Um, Mason's going to have a pretty decent game. I don't know about a fantastic game because this Browns defense has been known to be stingy uh, when they really put their mind to it and able to be pick happy. Um, I don't know that they're going to get that opportunity, especially if, if, if the, if the running game does not get established, you become predictable in all yeah. phases, especially offensively. And the Mason's real something like a little curveball or, or what have you. And that's all there is, is pass, 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 and then run and then pass, 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 pass. And then a run, you become a little predictable. So I, think I think the Browns defense and Stefanski's done an absolute fantastic job. I don't think people are really talking about what kind of job he's done this season. But I think moreover, mm-hmm. when you look at last season, what, what Mike Tomlin had to contend with and not named coach of the year is absolutely mm-hmm. preposterous. He had to deal, mm-hmm. he had to deal with a quarterback on IR the entire season, balanced, balanced two quarterbacks, one who had just been drafted. Uh, yeah. um, not, not necessarily drafted, but he was just picked out of thin air in, in Devlin Hodges out of like a practice squad situation. Mason Ruff was already on the roster. He had to balance that. He had to balance the team. He had to balance defense. I mean, Mike Tomlin, that guy is so high strong. I don't even know how he sleeps at night, but I can tell you this much in the playoffs, <laughs> in the playoffs, that's exactly what I, what I would do is sleep. <laughs> that the ability to sleep at Mike Tomlin. I would take a nap or two if I could. Because this this whole run is going to be very, very, very difficult, very tough. Uh, it starts, it goes through Kansas City because they're the number one seed. Um, but the Steelers are no stranger to this. They've, they've been on the road before. They've been there, done that. They were six seed before in the 04-05 season. So it's not as if they don't know what that's like. However, the Browns getting to the playoffs means more to, to, to Cleveland that I think even fans are aware of because that means that Stefanski comes in at a time putting all these pieces around them, all these, all these wonderful defensive components, offensive components, special teams guys. You have Miles Garrett who's done absolutely fantastic work this season. You, know, you put all these pieces together and to not get into the playoffs, I can tell you this much, no head coach that I'm aware of for the Brown system has won 10 games in the last yeah. 10, 20 years. So well, yeah, ro- last time was uh, Romeo wow. Cornell in 2007, and they and they didn't get in, and they didn't get in that year. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fitting that they have to get to 11 this year to get in, right? So, But if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that with the way the offseason went – and Stefanski, you know, stepping in, you know, in still installing their offense like two days before the season starts because of the time constraints and everything, that they would be able to win 10 games and be in a position to get in the playoffs at this point. I would have taken it in a second. Um, I think he's been fantastic. I can see the culture change. I can see the buy-in from the players. Um, and he, as a play caller, he's been tremendous. So, you know, he... He really, after the bye week, when they got hot there for a couple weeks, when they beat Tennessee and then um, and then the the Giants back to back there, and they kind of you know threw blue Tennessee out in the first half, whatever. Uh, they 
the pass game, run game, him playing off his tendencies and setting guys up. He's just been really good at that all year. The game got away from him last week in New York. Uh, no wide receivers, all that stuff. And yep. I think he kind of overcompensated and got away from it, maybe overthought it a little bit. Um, but other than that, he's been really good. He certainly, we feel like we have the guy for, uh, you know, finally have the coach that we can keep for a long period of time. And I, I feel so like. The culture's changed too, though, Brad. The yes. culture's changed. The mindset has changed. The culture's changed. The attitude is changing. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, winning cures all wounds. You could probably agree with me there that winning yes. will be the ultimate decision maker in regards to, you know, how this team operates, how they function internally, uh, how the organization functions, what, what what the attitudes and mindsets of all the coaches are, all the position coaches, non-position coaches, assistant coaches. I mean, it, it, it's a complete 360 from where they were just a year ago. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, and uh for me, Stefanski's just steady. They win, they lose. He's the same guy all the time, and he, he's the proverbial adult in the room that was much needed in Cleveland for a long time. You know what I mean? So yes, he was uh, definitely he, he he was a student who became the master. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> he he yeah he's been great and uh, a breath of fresh air. I feel like Baker's done enough. I know. You kind of were saying that you weren't really sure with Baker. Since since week seven up until last week, really, he had been really good, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I think it was like 15 touchdowns to one interception for like that period of time uh, with like a 126 quarterback ranking or something. Right. That yeah. That period of quarterbacking – he was hot. He was. He played in the weather games. He didn't make mistakes, and then he got into some nice weather, and he had a couple really good games, a couple four touchdown games, and um, and I felt like that was enough for them to see, be like, all right, cool, we feel good going into the off season. We're going to give him that fifth year option, and we can see where we go from here. And I think that was one of the things that the Browns organization wanted to do when they set out this season was to be able to say, all right, we need to make some decisions on this guy, this guy, and this guy. And Baker was number one. And I think they can make that decision based on what they've seen. I think so too. And, and Baker has really, really matured in a lot of different ways. And, and, I, and I don't know that people want to give Baker Mayfield any type of credit in, in regards they won't. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, they won't. well, that's really, they're actually missing, missing the boat big time, but I think yeah. that, you know he's 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 growing he's learning he's steady he's being patient he's not necessarily trying to force things again going back to what I was talking about earlier in regards to him not reading defenses not getting the checkdowns right things of that nature it's going to happen to all quarterbacks I don't care how long you've been in the league you're trying to force mm-hmm. something in there that just may not ha- have existed the minute you released the ball but you were watching the safety coming over the middle uh yeah <laughs> to get you or to go after the actual wide receiver or even the tight end. But but he's learning, and I think that's going to take a little bit more time in regards to, you know, where – where he ends up. Uh, I didn't know – to be honest, I don't even know if he thought he would end up in the playoffs with this team. Yeah. Uh, It's a great point. It's a great point. And, you know, I I just feel – 
for him, same thing. Stefanski was the key for him. I, you know, I feel like they're seeing things through the same lens. When they talk, they, you know, they, they use the same verbiage. And for me, that's just like the coach, you know, that's the kind of thing you need uh, with your coach and in, in to get that winning formula. All right. Couple big picture questions here, Rudy, while I have you. Best team in the AFC. That's tough. Uh, right now, it's got to be the Bills. It's got to be the Bills. They're, they're, they're on fire between Stefan Diggs. And if you're watching Stefan, my sincerest condolences to you and the passing of your dad. Uh, I, I haven't had any close family pass away yet, thank God. Uh, but but my, my condolences to you. Uh, and if you don't play Sunday, that's okay, too. I think fantasy players would understand that. Uh, but Josh Allen's been in, on an absolute tear uh, when I had covered Wyoming sports, uh, I had a chance to interview his his former coach, Coach Bowles, absolutely outstanding yes. coach for for Wyoming. He had nothing but high praise to say about him. And anybody I'd spoken to about Josh Allen, and he's from Fireball, which is about thirty minutes from where I live right now here in Clovis. The California. Fireball Files. Yeah, Fireball I read, Files. That, that's, I read the Fireball, Fireball Files. Files. Yeah, <laughs> for Josh I read Allen. them that that draft yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, Josh Allen's really true to form. He really is. He's he's a he's a great guy, solid player, uh, always willing to take advice and criticism from Coach Bowl uh, to a point where it just made him a better person, better player, and overall just a better individual to not only be around, but but Sean McDermott's put, and, and I don't think anybody's talking about him for head coach of the year either. Um, he's coming and done an absolute fantastic job helping Incredible. acquire and putting Stefan Diggs in those positions in order to win. The defense is nothing to, to, to shake a stick at. You have so no. many playmakers on, on, on that side of the ball. Um, I, I think I think the Bills are the hottest team right now in the AFC, maybe in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to say probably in the NFL. I still, even though I think that they're the hottest team right now and probably – if they were to play tomorrow, I would probably pick the Bills to beat Kansas City. It's hard to not pick Kansas City to win because I don't really know what they're doing. Like, they've been squeaking by some of these games, right? And it's been kind of ugly lately. But you kind of wonder if they're just kind of playing with you. Like, they do that kind of like, let's hold back this. We don't want to show too much here. And you know how good Mahomes is. It's like, okay, now it's the playoffs. They're going to get their bye week, right? And then they're going to play somebody. And they're, they're, I think they probably look a lot different. Um, you know, they're, they're, I think they're going to rest. They're resting Mahomes this weekend. So he's going to have three weeks off before his next game. It's pretty incredible. Nice for Tyreek Hill. He can rest up his uh, hammy, hamstring there that keeps bothering him. Right. It's hard to not pick them out of the AFC. Uh, they're just so explosive. But I agree with you about the Bills. They are on fire right now. And, and they certainly, in my opinion, are a more complete team than Kansas City as far as defensively and offense. And if Allen can stay as hot as he's been, then they can beat him. But certainly uh, that's it. That's uh, that's one we'll have to see play out. That'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. I would look forward to that matchup if they did face each other uh, in an AFC championship. Uh, NFC is a little more tricky. Who do you got to top the NFC? Oh man, that's tough. You know, I I watched that snow game. Uh, yes, Packers had taken on the Tennessee Titans, and at first it looked like Green Bay was going to take. 
control over it and stay consistent in the pass rush and be able to tackle that big monster Derrick Henry that just seems to creep up on on NFL teams any given week, uh, yeah. any given month throughout this NFL season. Well, I think more more importantly, uh, it, it, it's really it's really about the team's identity and i think the packers have the identity right now they're really making it known between aaron Rodgers um and, and another local fresno guy went to fresno state uh also making his his name very well known right now uh and the community's chomping at the bed they're talking about it on the news and i work for uh cbs 47 so i i, I get to hear about it quite often uh <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when you look at the Packers, they just look really, really good. They have some, they some rough stopping issues that they need to solve for. Um, uh, yeah, I I got to take the Packers. I, I, I just It's hard to go against Aaron Rodgers. You see him do it week in and week out with very little resistance. Of course, you talk about the MVP race. That could also have a lot to do with why Aaron Rodgers is trying to, trying to stay ahead of the proverbial hack, if you will. Uh, in that MVP conversation, but uh, Josh, Allen's I think he's got it there as well. I do too. I do. Too. I, I I think he's done enough. I think he has too. I think it's uh, I think it's Rogers MVP, and and I would say as of right now, I would I would pick Green Bay, and I would say that with uh, the Saints as a as a uh, a close second, depending on what happens at quarterback there, we'll see. You got to keep an eye on Tampa Bay. I don't know what they're going to be in the playoffs. They've been kind of disappointing throughout the season. They, I feel like they haven't really lived up to the talent and potential that they have uh, on that team. But they've done enough to get there. So let's see what they do now, right? Well, yeah. Basically, I mean, when you're talking about Tampa Bay, there's a bunch of hype. So we're going to bring Gronkowski in. People are already, you know, buying the jersey, saying the Buccaneers are going to go to the Super Bowl and X, Y, and yep. Z. And and then all of a sudden the interceptions from Tom Brady came into play and yeah. then they became a consistent amount of interceptions every single time he touched the field so it really make you it makes you wonder whether or not they have that type of chemistry that can help take them down the line I don't think it's quite there yet I'm thinking I maybe agree. in 21 they may have a better leash in regards to who their go-to guy is they need another running back Fournette's been nothing but disappointing on that line um, and then you look at Mike Evans, who's been on an absolute tear. But the interceptions from Tom Brady has been one of the reasons why they've been slacking hard. Uh, and you can name Bruce Arians the quarterback whisperer. I don't know. I think he needed to do some – there could, could be some argument matches going on with him raising his voice as high as he could uh, in order to get through Tom Brady's skull uh, that, yeah. that he's a coach and that he needs to do something a little bit different. And this is not Bill Belichick's system. So I don't know. Could that conversation have happened? Maybe so, uh, and then more than likely, I think more, more, more likely than not, I'd probably suspect behind closed doors. But of course, in front of me, oh, we're the best of friends. No, yeah. I don't think so. Speaking yeah, of best of so. friends, you look at the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees doesn't look very comfortable in the pocket right now, and all for obvious reasons. Why? You break eight ribs, would you be comfortable in the pocket? No. Probably not. I think moreover, when you look at Drew Brees, you look at his throwing motion and the fact that he can't get that ball over his shoulder to a point where those ribs are going to be in line and not broken in order to feel comfortable making that place. I pray to God he doesn't take another another smackdown hit because if that happens, he's done. He'll never play another down of football again. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, he and he also, Rudy, I mean, he wasn't able to throw the ball 30 yards before that happened. Uh, 
So, you know, every, their whole entire offense is, you know, restricted within 25 yards and in, basically. But the crazy thing is they've been able to dismantle teams still doing it that way with, you know, even knowing that they don't have anybody to take the top off and you can't, you know, you don't even have to respect the deep ball. Sean Payton has still been able to stretch the field, you know, horizontally and, and still, uh, you know, keep teams off balance and dismantle most teams they play. I mean, his offense is is a weapon in itself, uh, no matter who's running quarterback. So even if they have to go to uh, another guy, you know, uh, depending on who they want to go to or what their situation is. James Winston, yeah, you can you can go either way with those guys. But don't forget the, the high-end skill position players like, like Kamara. Yep, yep. Yeah, Kamara, Michael Thomas. Yeah, so you got uh, – th- it'll be interesting. You know, I, I like I like their defense too. Uh, so I, I think the Saints have a chance. We'll see what happens with Breeze and whatnot. But um, all right, so your prediction was Steelers by a field goal. All right, so Vegas has this, this spread at like 10 points for the Browns. Do they think that why, – why do you think that is? Why, the big, why so big on the spread? Well, I, you know, I I think people are probably giving Mason Rudolph no credit based whatsoever. on Rudolph. Yeah, on, yeah. I mean, just to, based on the fact alone that he has had not enough reps, not enough to really speak of in regards to playtime, familiarity with the offense. Just because you're a book room, uh, a, a bookworm in the classroom, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate onto the field. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the ability to execute once you get out on the field with that playbook strapped to your wrist. Uh, and I think they're they're expecting more players to come back from COVID for Cleveland. But when you have two more people who are out, stated today, I don't know. I really don't know. My and, I don't and know either, man. And, and and I think that that's one of the reasons why I think why the why the line still remains exactly what it is right now. Now that line may change, and and that that gap could be smaller and smaller as a game gets closer, but I still think there's going to be a spread. I think people are, are going to pick Cleveland because Ben Roethlisberger is not under center. I would agree with you there. Uh, it's a big one. It's an absolutely huge week here. Rudy, I can't thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, plug your show. Where, where we, we got, we, we obviously go to, you can go to the rude dog show.com. Go to the rude dog show.com. You can find me on, um, on on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I guess the question is, where am I not? And that would yes. be everywhere. So yeah. yeah. Well, you're <laughs> on you're on all eyes on Cleveland right now, and we thank you so much for coming on to talk That's some pleasure. Steelers with us. Get us the inside scoop on everything going on Pittsburgh. So hey, you you're scaring me. You scared me more. I was feeling good about Mason Rudolph till I talked to you now. <laughs> You're you're making. I'm a little worried now. I'm a little worried now about Mason. So, uh, so good job on that, uh, and and great job. And we're, obviously, we'll have you back on the show, right? Yeah, of course, absolutely. We could talk about a post game, and 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 just because I'm a fan doesn't mean that that I'm not objective. Because that's one thing people should know about me is that I am objective, and I call it like it is, whether it's my team or somebody else's. Well, I know you're an absolute stud on your show, and uh, you're everywhere, and you you kill the coverage. So uh, we appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us here tonight on a big, big, big Brown Steelers week. Uh, So 
Go check him out. He is Rudy, Rude Dog Reyes. And of the Rude Dog Show, go to the RudeDogShow.com or where all popular podcasts are found. Thank you so much, Rudy. Appreciate it, Brad. Thanks a lot, man. Happy New Year to you. And everybody Happy watching. New Year. To- hey, you got any New Year's resolutions? I, I had one when it turned 2020, but that soon got flushed down the toilet. 2021 resolution is for COVID to go away and for everybody to get back to normalcy. Hey, you said it, brother. You, you said it. That that's that should be everybody's. All right. Uh, take it easy, man. You're a good man, gentleman, and a scholar, and we thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. The Rude Dog Reyes uh, joining us tonight to get us caught up on some Steelers. He likes Mason Rudolph. Uh, he likes Mason Rudolph to uh, to to threaten with the long ball. I don't think much of Jason Mason Rudolph as a quarterback, but I don't know him like Rudy does. So, um, and and we all know everything that happened with Mason and. And Garrett last year, and people land on both sides of that thing. I think naturally, Browns fans kind of land on the Garrett side, like you know, hey, he he probably uh, may have said something inappropriate there, and and I think a lot of Steelers fans and people kind of land on the other side, like hey, you know, what an animal uh, Miles Garrett is. But Miles Garrett up for. Uh, what uh, man of the year for the Browns this year for his tremendous work with uh, Water Boys and everything else? So he has bounced back and moved on from that incident tremendously. I hope that he does name does not get drugged through the mud here with uh, the narratives coming up to this game this weekend. But Rudy thinks Mason Rudolph uh, can get it done against the Browns and has them uh, the Steelers winning by a field goal. So uh, that's your take from the Steelers side of things. Uh, keys to the game here real quick and we'll get you up and out here on All Eyes on Cleveland we appreciate you watching and listening uh, but keys to the game here um, a couple things I wanted to come on for, comment on first uh, the absence of Jarvis Landry has never been more apparent than it was this week without him out there he is the heart and soul of this team he 100% uh, has to be there um, and has to be a long-term part of this solution for the Browns. He does everything for him. He is the motivator, the leader. Uh, he's in the right spot all the time. He blocks great. He's a perfect example for the young players on this team and probably one of the most pivotal acquisitions that the Browns ever made in making this whole turnaround started with Jarvis Landry in my book. So he is the guy, and you saw how much he was missed last week, certainly. Um I worry about what's going to happen at safety, and I want to make this comment real quick. Cujo, Carl Joseph, is a key to have on the field. He's been everywhere. He's been huge for that defense. He comes up in the box and plays the run well. He has played the pass well. He has been everywhere. One of the few bright spots in that defense 
at times. Carl Joseph, need to have him out there. Get him off the list. I know he's just a contact uh, trace, so he should be available for Sunday as long as he doesn't test positive. So him ha- having him out there is crucial. Ronnie Harrison potentially could be back, was supposed to practice today, um, as well as Wyatt Teller. So if you get Ronnie Harrison, Wyatt Teller, and you get these wide receivers as well as like Carl Joseph coming off the COVID list in time for this game, I feel good about it. Practice squad player today uh, and uh, coach, I believe, in the special teams room. Positive tests. We'll see what happens tomorrow. You hold your breath every day waiting for that, uh, what's going to come down. But I don't think anybody else was added to the list. At, well, we found out this morning, guys, that were added to the list. We know Sandejo is out uh, with a positive test, uh, and, and Goodson had a positive test. He's going to be out again. So everybody else has been contact traced, and those guys should be available for the game Sunday as long as tomorrow we don't go through this again, which we very well could because, as I said to George earlier in the show, 23, Sandejo, who usually isn't close enough to anybody to give anybody a a disease the way he plays defense, but was on the plane, traveled to and from, and probably what could have been that incubation period where you're shedding the virus and and you uh, aren't aware of it yet. So that's a little scary. Now that you're seeing these other positive tests pop up, you would think that maybe... That might be where that stems from. Um, we'll find out more about that tomorrow. If you're gonna, if they're gonna play Ronnie Harrison, that's great. If they get Carl Joseph back, that's great. If they're forced to play another safety, to me, with Sandejo out, it cannot be Sheldrick Redwine. You have uh, how long have you had had an opportunity now to get Tedrick Thompson ready? Who knows? the Seattle cover three scheme anyways. He should be playing over Redwine, who frankly looks timid on the field to me. Um, he looks, a fr- he doesn't tackle well. He He's very slow to react. You know, I, I say this about Sandejo all the time, that he is reactionary, never anticipatory, and, and Redwine follows in quickly in his footsteps that way. I, I don't think that he's a very good player at this point. I don't know how long he is for the Browns roster. Uh, hopefully he proves me wrong, but I, I would feel better if, uh, much better if Carl Joseph and Ronnie Harrison are out there. I think that's the way you got to go if they're both healthy. And if not, I, I, I don't understand why we can't see some of Tedrick Thompson. He's got to be better than what Redwine is doing, which is not, not much. Um, key to the game. <clears throat> you got to jump on him early. You can't let this game stay close into the second half. I feel like that Stefanski knows this, and I feel like they'll come out with a good combination of run pass, maybe like you know six throws, four runs in the first ten plays. They'll have a good game script to start it out, but you want to get a couple touchdowns early, maybe pushing the ball down the field 
depending on who's in it. Secondary, identify those weaknesses, take advantage of that. He's been great at that all year. He's kept teams off balance. You should be able to run the ball against this team. The Colts certainly ran the ball against this team. So should you, especially if you have Wyatt Teller back and healthy. I feel like you should be able to run the ball and get some push against the Steelers team. I feel like they need to jump on him early. I feel like you need at least one interception from Mason Rudolph. You have to win that turnover battle, but you got to take one away from him. Get some pressure on him. He'll throw it to the other team. And I think that's the keys to the game right there. Win the turnover battle, and more importantly, jump on this team early. Don't let them stick around and keep it close. You've been watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Huge thanks to George Reitster the third for our first guest, uh, giving us a national perspective on everything, and then also Rudy the Rude Dog Reyes uh, from the giving us the Pittsburgh Steeler perspective. Uh, another tremendous episode here of All Eyes on Cleveland. Huge thanks to Blue Wire Hustle, um, where we uh, now reside, and uh, this has been. Uh, all eyes on Cleveland. Mikey on the ones and twos, your gentleman and scholar. My name is Brad Ward. And with that, go Browns. Must win. Time to get in. End this drought. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. You can rest easy. You can rest easy. They're getting in. Don't worry. They win on Sunday. By 17, 14. Four, at least two touchdowns they went by. Browns getting in. 2020 playoff team. All eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. Thanks to our guests. We are out.